This is our moment of greatness. It's our moment of truth. We must seize this moment because we hold the future in our hand. Aerial View with Chris Live. End Time Talk Radio. Friday! 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 760-422-5528. The Pound. You have a podcast. Oh, yeah, I invented them. I have never been a quitter. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow.
auspicious beginning. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller. Why are they doing this? They said when you got here, the whole thing started. What are you? I think you're the cause of all this. Ava! How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Nice to see you. Have a nice day. Looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. What a bunch of clowns. Oh, uh, they're still at it. Those clowns in Congress. And I don't blame you if you're glued to Impeachment 2 Electric Boogaloo. It's okay by me. I'm just happy that this uh, sequel has turned out to be more Godfather 2 and less Return to the Blue Lagoon. It's me, Chris T., here on thehoundnyc.com, where every Sunday Hound howls, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and then crash uh, in the party. Do up Chop Shop of the Year. Mark and Miriam. And like you, I was glued. Glued, I say. Like that girl that used Gorilla Glue in her hair. Because uh, that seemed like a good idea at the time, I guess. I'm not sure why. I have a bottle of uh, Gorilla Glue out in the garage. I've used it to glue many things together. Never tried it on my beard. I bet I can get a beard so pointy and sharp with that stuff. Be registered as a lethal weapon. Stop poking me with that beard. It's still going on. I thought they were going to break by 6 o'clock, you know, for the evening news. Maybe have something to eat. But uh, right now is your... Round of questioning from the senators, and it's exactly what you thought it would be. It's a bunch of shit, essentially. It's a bunch of partisan questions like, uh, I'll do my best, uh, what's his name, Patrick Leahy? Is that who it is? Leading the Senate. President of the Senate. He just, he sounds like... His sinuses are full of phlegm, and his larynx and throat are in bad need of scraping. Uh, He's your United States Senator from Vermont, serving as President Pro Tempore. I like tempore. Sometimes I don't get the sushi. I get the tempore. And uh, it says here on Wikipedia that he's 109 years old. Wow. I'm now I'm impressed. Earlier I was concerned. No, he's he's 80. Born in 1940. 
and he's the guy serving over this nonsense. I got, I have a sample. I was I was recording a lot of what was going on today, thinking I, I might could use it somehow on the program, get a good quote from somebody. And there was plenty of good quotes. This guy, uh, Michael Vanderveen, Philadelphia lawyer, and I'm not just saying that he's a Phil- he's a Philadelphia lawyer. That's what he is. He uh, he's on the team. They found him somehow, probably through a billboard on the highway. Have you been injured in a car crash? Because, you know, his entire team quit on him. Trump's uh, impeachment defense team. They all said, screw this. What am I going to put myself through this for? Who needs these headaches? And they quit. So now he's got uh, this guy who got up and lied earlier about not being given any evidence. So it turns out he, they were given all the evidence. Trump's defense team. Nobody withheld any evidence, but he got up and said, we, we, didn't, we didn't get it. David Schoen. And then the other guy is uh, Mr. Castor. Bruce, I believe, Bruce Castor. But they're all kind of like from Pennsylvania. What's going on in Pennsylvania? I'm not sure about David Schoen. I know uh, Castor is. He's a former prosecutor. From someplace in uh, Pennsylvania. He's on the team. He was found through his brother. A little bit of nepotism there. His brother, Stephen Castor, pulled Donald J. Trump. The J stands for jerk. Pulled him aside and said, Psst, my brother is a lawyer. Should I call him? Well, these are the three... Stunads who are up there uh, defending the indefensible. But we all know that Donald J. Trump, as he has throughout his charmed life, will skate on this shit as well. Because uh, the GOP is now entirely enthralled to this man because they are craven opportunists and power mad. And they care more about their own goddamn jobs and minting coin than they do about this country. Uh, they have no consciousness. They, it's, there's no use in expecting them to have a conscience. I tried to do the plural of conscience, but I guess there isn't one, right? It's just conscience. They have none. They don't have plural. They don't have singular. They are... Uh, just the worst among us and they somehow managed to get elected so that tells you about the places where they came from can you imagine the people that put marjorie taylor green in the house of representatives i mean just try to picture her constituency when i do i shudder a shiver goes up my spine and i get a scared very scared for this country. I watched in th- this thing in its entirety, by the way. So you didn't have to. And like I was saying earlier, I recorded some of it thinking I would use some of the audio from uh, one of these three lawyers, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. 
And uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just, I, it was turn, it was making me physically ill to listen to these people create a permission structure for this piece of human garbage. Born on third base, thinking he hit a triple, who's never had to own up to the consequences of anything he's ever done, who has been sheltered and protected by his daddy's money all his damn life, and so has acted in ways that have basically said, uh, I don't play by your rules. And it'll prove out again. You'll see. But I was listening to the audio, and I was thinking, I can't, I, I, I can't use any of this. I, I don't want to. I, I, huh? And then I focused in on one thing. I focused in on uh, the aforementioned President Pro Tempora of the Senate, Patrick Leahy. And uh, what was going on in his sinuses and throat? Now, I will apologize in advance in case he's had the, the Rona. And uh, we found out this week that when uh, the president, the last president, had the Rona, it was far worse than was reported at the time. That his blood oxygen levels were like at 80%. and They were about to put him on a ventilator. That would have been fun, right? President on a ventilator. So I apologize in advance, but there's something going on with his throat and sinuses, and I'm going to play some Patrick Leahy for you now. I chopped it up. Uh, council's time is yielded back. And then in a Are little bit, we're going to get Tom Crow back to the Send program. Send to the desk. To talk about the... the uh, from Georgia, Senator Warnock has a question infernal, for the internal managers. Combustion engine. Let's House listen to Leahy for five minutes. First, the question is from Senator Collins and Senator Murkowski. Uh, it is for the uh, counsel for the former president, Clerk Reed. Clerk, <laughs> read that question again. We're getting it back. All right, this the is Senator from Nevada. This isolated Nevada, lady, Senator Rosen. Um, it's a question for the House managers, and the clerk will read it. I know I want to cast him as uh, Mr. Potter Senator in my next Tennessee shall submit it. Uh, local theater production of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Be a great Mr. Potter. You called me a frustrated old man. What are you with a frustrated the young man? The question is for... Um, Counsel for the former president from Senators Haggerty and Scott of South Carolina. Clark will read the question. Senator from Massachusetts. Debate's not allowed. Oh, yeah. Someone tried to debate. The Any question is from Senator Markey. To an end. Uh, with Senator Duckworth. Senator Biz Markey. the part of the House of Representatives. Clark will read the question. I think it's Tom Crow. Just Mr. in President, time to help me listen to uh, Patrick I send a Leahy. question to the desk. Oh, I got a little bit of Romney in there. I didn't know I'd get a little bit of Romney in there. Everybody needs a little bit of Romney. What happened? He was there and then he's gone. I, I fucking hate that sound. I hate that. Oh, make it stop. Ah, ha! I thought that was you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I called because I, I couldn't stand to listen to that guy's phlegm anymore. You think it's phlegm or you think it's polyps or maybe some combination of the two? Like a phlegmip? What would be For the... all I know, it's one... something a little bit more eldritch and it's like, you know, his throat is filled with tentacles that only come out, you know, on Halloween. So uh, Patrick Joseph Leahy, American politician serving as the president pro tempora, uh, he is a member of the Democratic Party now in his eighth term of office. Most senior member of the Senate, the last of the guys that was around during Watergate, pretty much. So this is not his first rodeo. No. Did you watch any of this or listen to any of it? Were you uh, monitoring um, impeachment to Electric Boogaloo? You know, I, I paid attention to, I think, day two and day three. And then I tried to listen to a little today, and I was just, I'm, I'm not having it. And I had, I have, you know, my own horror story over here that I have to deal with. So I was like, all right, I don't have time for this. Uh, are there insur- insurrectionists in your house? What are you referring to? You're making some kind of oblique reference, but you don't need no, to no, uh, make it less. It, Go ahead. You, you know, you know how we roll over here. It's like Tina Turner said. You know, we don't ever do anything nice and easy. You know, you know yeah. my road. You know yeah. what it's like up here with you know snow that's waist deep in spots. It's right. Just, a, a living nightmare out here. Yeah, and I, and, I and yet I was, more I, uh, winter weather coming your way. An, an ice storm, uh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. many more inches of snow might you get out out that way? Two to four, uh, perhaps. Uh, yeah, whatever they say, you guys are going to get. I'm getting at least twice that. You know, it's a it's no. an elevation game. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, madness. Dealing you with know, your own. Oh, nonsense. I know. Didn't you pull a snowblower out of the trash, though? Some guy was moving or something. And is that, did Dude, you get that thing working or that, what? That was divine intervention. Yeah. It was like, it was like four weeks ago. Wife's going to the, hit the store at night, you know, go get something. And uh, she gets to the end of the driveway. She goes, Hey, and I knew she just left. And I'm like, What? And she, and she goes, I'm at the end of the driveway. I'm like, What happened? She goes, Nothing. She goes, there's a snowblower across the street in the middle of the guy's driveway. I was like, for sale sign? She goes, no. I got chained to a tree? She goes, no. I said, is the realtor sign still there? Because it was sold. And she goes, no, the realtor sign's not there. So I hauled ass out there and dragged it, put it in the bushes, and then I brought it home. A belt and a cable, $25. I got me a rocking nine-horse snowblower just in time. Tell me that isn't divine intervention. I, mean, it's, that's, I, I wish I could have that kind of that's pretty good let's hear it start it up man let's listen for a minute uh, listen to that thing electric start smooth yeah man now uh, like what is the limit at which you can actually use that thing and get any effective uh, snow throwing out of it like uh, how many like knee deep snow you know whatever knee deep that's, that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah all right, because I was offered like a couple of electric snowblowers, and I find that whole thing, I'm like, what? Really? That can't work. Please. Electric snowblower? What? Huh? Like, I'm going to drag an extension cord through the snow, right? I don't yeah, see that happening. And I think those are like probably good up to about two inches of snow, and then they'll just die on you. And you can WD-40 that thing all day long. The snow's just going to snick to it, and... It's yeah. probably a piece of garbage. So, 
I'm, I'm very happy you got that. And I mean, that thing's got an internal combustion engine, which is the doom of us all. Like, who knew back when uh, <coughs> the internal combustion engine became a thing? Because used, used to be you had your combustion outside the engine, right? Which made mm-hmm. engines very large and vehicles had to be large to accommodate them. And then someone figured out, why don't we just do the combustion on the inside? And next thing you know, climate change all these years later. And so now every time I start an internal combustion engine, and and by the way, I'm the child of a mechanic. Uh, He was sometimes referred to, my dad, Mario, as a master mechanic. A master mechanic. And he taught mechanics for many years at Lincoln Tech up in the Bronx. And this is someone who knew motors and engines inside out and made his living from uh, the automotive world and transportation. And so now I'm reading in the paper that GM has said by 2030 or 2035, they will no longer produce vehicles with internal combustion engines. And everybody else is saying Volkswagen, you name it, uh, these upstart companies, the internal combustion engine is going to go away in your lifetime. Now, that's if me and Tom Crow live another 15 years or so. Who knows? Anything could happen. He could be running that that snowblower out there today. Somehow, he gets sucked into it. Next thing you know, it's a, it's a crow blower. It's no longer a snowblower. Snowblower. <laughs> it's, no, it's now a crow blower. Ouch. Ouch. Please, don't slip and fall while you're using that thing. Wear your best boots. The thickest no, souls. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And I and I always think of that that James Bond movie. That's the one movie by that guy who only played Bond for one movie. George Lazenby, one of the best. That's a, that's right. a great film, by the way. That is a great film. Yeah. And my and the, the one scene, and I saw that in a the theater as a kid, that stuck out in my mind is the ski chase. And they have the giant snowblowers, and the one guy doesn't make it over the road, and the snow coming out of the snowblowers all day. Yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it? Uh, didn't he? Didn't he just? Didn't he just pass away? By the way, Uh, he. Do you know I share a birthday with him? He was born on September fifth. George Lazenby. I'm not kidding. 1939. In in Australia, in New South Wales, Australia. And I I think he just left us at the end of 2020. He might have even been, dare I say, a COVID related death i i don't want to be wrong about this but it's it's an interesting story about how he came to play bond james bond in in exactly one film and uh, there's a documentary out there it's either on amazon prime or netflix or something all about george lazenby and why he only ever did one bond and one bond and done on her majesty's secret service Service, do you know who did the theme song for some extra points do you know um, the, 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 the vocalist? Name, no. The name but or it, who sang the theme song? No, no. I'd have to assume it's a John Barry. Isn't John Barry all of them? John Barry did all of the music. You're right. All the soundtrack. But I don't know who, but I don't know who the, the Bond films, they always found somebody to sing the song that yeah. went over the opening credits, played under the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. The song was we have all the time in the world and the artist was none other than Satchmo. That's right. Louis Armstrong doing a James Bond theme. James Bond song. 
And uh, not to go too far down that rabbit hole, but it is it is a good Bond film from 1969. I thought he was a good Bond. He, uh, you know, he yeah. doesn't. He, I should have known that because I have I have the soundtrack LP. I should have known that. I feel old. We have all the time in the world. He kind of sounded like Patrick Leahy singing Satchmo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he had that that gravel that gravitas in his voice um, so uh, yeah we we know that in our lifetimes again if we live long enough we will see the end of the internal combustion engine as as something that goes into new production vehicles and why i invited tom crow on here tom crow's a, a motorhead from way back uh we both have owned many cars with many different power plants in them some of them better power plants than others and um I want you to act like a futurist for the for the rest of this program and just imagine what it's going to mean to specifically the American psyche to not have a vehicle <laughs> that you put a petroleum product in that when you start it, it rumbles and vibrates and makes these smells. And, right. you know, what what is it going to do to us? What do you have you been thinking about this at all? Yes. I mean, for me personally, I'm I'm going to I don't dig it. I'm not, you know, when I drive, I want to, you know, burn something and make stuff explode. And I want there to be a certain element of danger. Now, the other, at the same time, um, I'm looking at, you can buy crate motors. You can buy thousand horsepower electric crate motors and you can put them in anything. They have them with like Chevy motor mounts on, on them, <laughs> you know. Hook up your own transmission to it or whatever. Or No, you can't. It's their transmission. That's right. It's one unit. But the bottom line is you could get a crate motor. You could take your, you know, 39 Chevy pickup. You could pull the flathead in there out and you could drop, you know, one of these in. You just got to figure out where you're going to put all the batteries. Um, and yeah, I've, that's, seen, that's the I've challenge, seen some right? pretty crazy stuff online, man. These guys are putting them in like 67 fastback mustangs and you know they got a thousand horsepower you know these things are insane um i i really kind of dig those uh retro mod electrified vehicles they they make some that are really interesting we know who was the last royal that got married what was which one was he do you remember he drove out in an electrified jaguar xke after You're his wedding, the wrong guy. I don't, you I know, don't know. You remember he scandalized the uh, royals by uh, marrying a biracial woman. Oh, right. That guy. Right. Right. The Canadian, the Canadian kids. They're up in Canada now. Did that? Is that where they fled to? Canada, I think because so. Canada still yeah. has a lingering good feeling about the royals. You know, that's yeah, why. That's why they didn't go to America. Canada was like, eh, we were used to it. We had the queen in charge for many, many years, so they don't really care. Yeah. But yeah, I dig that that whole thing. But I I was wondering today: is somebody going to come along and make like a fake motor that you that you also put in your electric car, and it has all the sights and sounds and maybe even the smells? Because when I was a kid, if you ran an electric train set, you could put those little pellets in there, and it would make the smoke puff out. <laughs> and uh, you know, you could get the speaker that made it sound like it was chug chug chugging down the track. So I mean, uh, who's working on the faux engine front? Maybe we should start a faux engine company. And the whole thing Maybe weighs six there. pounds. And it's it's made out of that chrome-plated plastic. And you put it under the hood, and it goes... Or better, better than that, better than that, you 3D print a flathead like, like a blister case just to sit over the electric 
drive and just have your engine vent well speakered, you know? Yeah. Well, you could pipe those and have, sounds. And have it, like, hooked up to, like, so the RPM, as you pick up RPM, you know, this thing revs and shifts and makes all the proper noises. I love but that. I still think for, for, for people who are, like, hard that's what I'm talking about, baby. Um, for, for your guys who are hardcore enthusiasts, they're going to go into the track. Um, and they're going to be running stuff that burns other stuff, you know? I don't see that going away. I, I, can't, I can't see that they would, you know, uh, no more NHRA. No more, you know, NASCAR, you know? I don't I, see I, that happening. I don't know. That's an interesting question because... What's going to happen to oil products, gas and, and diesel, when, when they're not selling as much of it? It's, isn't it's it going to get cheap. more expensive? Nah, it's going to be cheap because nobody wants it, and they got to make it cheap. I don't That's know. I, I don't know. They're going to have a hard time selling it. It's going to be a supply and demand thing. If You, you know if what? You, yeah. you'd, have to, you'd have to convert, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of homes from oil heat. You know, yeah. you can make all the electric cars you want. And the other thing, which, and I don't want to sound like, you know, these kids in my neighborhood, they, they call it rolling coal, you know, with these yeah. giant dually pickups with, you know, eight inch exhausts pouring black smoke out of their diesel whatevers. Yes. But the bottom line is. By the way, do they get to own the libs when they do that? I just want to know. Are they owning any libs? I don't see them do owning that? much. Oh, okay. You know, they spend all their money on their trucks. All right, because they don't have girlfriends. And that's all we care. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're all volunteer firemen up here. Um, I bet a few so, of them are actually setting the fires, just so they can I, I, show I'd up and put it not go there. Let's not speculate on a yeah. hypothesis. Okay. So, um, I forgot my train of thought, dude. You, we with that comedy routine, we just blew whatever. No. Popcorn fart of an idea I had right out of my skull. Your your train of thought was about the, the future of fuel, essentially. What's going to happen to gas and diesel oh, right. and not that and, many and, people and are buying it? The point I was, I was going to make was how many people are on a grid that they're going to be plugging their cars into that that grid or a percentage of that grid is, you know, f made with nuclear or fossil fuel coal burning plant you know what i mean so everybody plugging in and adding all this additional load to the grid which every weather event shows us how fragile it is okay how is that how's that gonna work you know it's difficult because there, there isn't the infrastructure yet for electric cars they they haven't built it out and one of the things people are hoping from the new administration is that they quickly pivot. I, I know Joe Biden talked quite a bit on the campaign trail about green jobs and electrifying mm -hmm. this and renewable energy that. So we, in addition to conquering a pandemic, we have to ramp up quickly if we're going to be serious about the goal that GM is talking about. And GM, being a market leader, swings the rest of the industry along with it. So... The idea of you being able to go more than, oh, currently the extended range of electric vehicles might get you close to 270 miles before you really need to charge again. So the idea of going any further than that, you, you need a network, you need fast chargers, you need 
more research right. and, and development of batteries to make them you more need efficient. way better batteries i mean what they have is really good but it still weighs a ton and it takes up a you know an enormous it has an enormous footprint tesla is pretty smart it's flat it's your pan it's the floor of the car okay and it's only so many inches thick but still that's a massive lithium cell that you know has the potentiality to, to burn quite well um you know i'm not i'm not convinced yet i think they're doing what they're doing for the power plants is great they got to work on the power because if we're just going to plug it in and you know and they're gonna what are they gonna do they're gonna fire up three mile island again what are they gonna do put what was the one up in the on the Hudson, what was oh, that? Oh, yeah, Indian Point. Chef. Indian Point. Indian Point. Yeah, we're gonna fire that up again. Hey, so by the way, you... when are we renaming that thing? Shouldn't it be like Native American Point, Indigenous Person Point, <laughs> First Nations Point? Why is it still Indian Point? Mm -mm, I, I ask you. So you're gonna be out there wrenching on your electric hot rod and uh, trying to oh. make that thing go. <laughs> Just remember, Tom Crow, one hand in the pocket, one hand on the socket. All right. Just don't become That's right. don't become ground. That's we don't nope. need you to become ground. And uh oh, speaking of Tesla, did you know used Tesla batteries get sold on eBay for thousands of dollars? Mm -hmm. And they have second lives. People repurpose them, they use them for energy storage, for uh as generators. They, they mm -hmm. apparently, uh, you could get some life out of them still because there is also concern about what are we going to do with all these batteries once we don't have batteries. Once the batteries are dead, you know, we, we start putting lithium ion into the ground. How is that not environmentally disastrous? So there's a yeah, lot of... They need, to, they need to be able to reclaim them efficiently is the whole, whole thing. But I don't know what's reclaiming. As, as much reading as you and I have done about the coming electric revolution, electric vehicle revolution, I, uh, what I haven't seen, Tom Crow, is any discussion of what it's going to do to the psyche to not have internal combustion engines around anymore. And, and really, is it a problem? Because it's only people that remember them that are going to care. I mean, at some point, young people aren't going to be like, yeah, I remember that wedge engine that, that I had, man. That thing was, was great. Yeah, and that, you know, it's going to fade like anything else. It's going to be, you know, a generation and a half, and it'll be like, you know, it'll be like Bakelite telephones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now that I have this store, I see some of these people come in, and they, I, I, and I never thought I would see it, but, like, they gape at certain things like they don't know what the hell that is. Like, what is that thing? And Dude, you know what kills me about stuff like that? Uh, you know, and this is the curse of Facebook. I use Facebook to join, like, groups that I think I'm going to learn something from. So there's a bunch of, like, hot rod groups and stuff like that. But one of them, a friend invited me, and it's an estate sale group. And uh, I'm shocked. But then again, I think everybody... I think everybody's my age. That's how I've always rolled. We're, we're like the same age, aren't we? You know what I mean? I believe so. <laughs> um, and I'm not, I'm not cognizant of the fact that there are people much younger than me who are into the estate sale antique world who find shit and they have no idea what it is. And I'm like, duh, that's a fucking... Somebody had, like, this This would kill me. You know those nutcrackers? It's a big round piece of wood. And it's got a big threaded piece of wood, and you just kind of drop the nut in this cup. Yes. And then... <laughs> Crack your nuts. Yeah. 
They didn't know Somebody what that was. Po- they posted a picture. Anybody know what this is? It's got it's got a mark Italy on the back. Did you and, tell you them? Know, it by was... the time I saw it, there was like three hundred people who commented, "You idiot! It's a fucking nutcracker." It's a nutcracker. Um, it's funny you say that because I I remember I was at the uh, Rose Bowl flea market. The sweet tea and I were out in California. It was the one time that our visit was going to align because they do it like every second Sunday. And we said, let's go. It was a beautiful day. Gorgeous day in Pasadena. We go to the Rose Bowl flea market. I'm having a hell of a time. The place is massive. Like you you can't even take it all in. There's, there's no way. You would need several days. So we we're trying to pick and choose. You know, and and we, we there was a guy there with a trained monkey, and the monkey's doing tricks. And then we see one of the guys from Sons of Anarchy go walking past us. And I'm, I I I walk up to this guy's table, and he's got a lot of old vintage hot rod stuff and other stuff. And I pick up this thing that is it's it's he doesn't know what it is. The vendor doesn't know what it is. I pick it up and go, "How much do you want for this?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah, you know." What is that? Is that like a... And he starts naming things. I said, no, it's a, it's a nutcracker. This is a nutcracker. <laughs> and because it was polished aluminum, and it had... You know, and it looked mechanical, oh my God. he thought it was he a part it was for a some car. Kind of- <laughs> and, and I said, no, you put your nut in there, and you screw this thing down, and you crack the nut. And he went, oh. So, yeah, I, it's it's interesting we both had that moment. But that guy... That guy, who is he going to sell his stuff to? When the electric cars come along, he's going to be standing there all day in Pasadena. No one's going to buy. They're not going to buy any uh, gasket covers. No, they're not going to buy anything. Not, it's it, the stuff is going to be harder and harder to find. And the dudes that have the GTOs in the garage, and there's always going to be your Jay Leno's, like you know, uncountable number of exceedingly rare vehicles. You know, these they're not, that's not going away. That's the you know the 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 money world looks at that stuff as an investment. Yeah, know? yeah, it's uh, kind of horrifying. I watch those uh, like Barrett Jackson auctions every once in a while, and I just gasp when I think of those vehicles that I actually own that uh, usually cost less and than a thousand dollars. I think is nuts, and this comes from being a record collector and dealer. Dude, mint is mint. You know, you got a 67 Fastback that you have the VIN numbers because you had that part of the dash. And you took the the, the, the tail end of a, a nicer one and welded it together, you know, or cut a regular Mustang to weld the Fastback on and make it all tits up with original this, that, and the other thing as far as, like, the engine and training. That's not an original car. And you see these cars go for astronomical money. I know. And then, when, then people see, like... Just recently, there was a GTO. It's a black GTO. I forget the story. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's a great little documentary. One of the car shows did on it, and and it's pretty short. But this dude ordered a package because you could order different engine, different this, different trim, different that, and he assembled a package that was like like everything, and the car was one of one. And it sat in the garage. It didn't rot or anything. But it needed you know, restoration. But because all they had to do was like clean it and like work on the motor a little bit, everything was as it was as it came out of the factory. I think with the exception of like a headliner and you know visors yeah. or some shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And this car, I know what went, you mean. this car went for this car went for mad money because it was one of one. 
And see, that's the thing that when I watch these Barrett Jacksons, I'm like, this car ain't with this kind of thing. And it's because there's dudes in the audience who don't want any of their brains are all over that car, you know? You know, which is good for them and good for the guy who sold it, but it just doesn't make sense on a supply and demand, desirability, collectible thing chart. But that said, as long as they keep bringing that kind of money, there's always going to be these dudes who have these cars. And some of these guys are not going to be of great means. And maybe they have one car, like an old Corvair, something who gives a shit, but they have one. Yeah, I, that's what's going to happen. But what the other thing that's going to happen is they're going to get taxed on that. There's going to be some kind of new tax. It's going to be the well. Here's the the engine. You bring that up. Internal when combustion I, I, engine tax. Right, and 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 it's going to be some kind of road tax, is what it's going to be, and it's probably going to be by weight because that's what they do in Amsterdam. You think they'll get dirty looks? You think they'll get dirty looks? Those people when they're out driving in their motor motorized no, I, vehicle, people are gonna look at them depends. like you bastard. You know the way we look at people now who aren't wearing a mask out in public? It's gonna be like that. Yeah. You're gonna be cruising along in your hot rod, and people are gonna be like, "Ugh, look at and him." When they look at me funny. I'm gonna have open headers and go, you know. Yeah, and then you'll be rolling coal. You'll be the one rolling coal. Jeez, no, the future. Cold. Let me give out but, the phone number know, here. For just a moment, 760-422-5528, 760-I-CALL-AV. This is Aerial View on HoundNYC.com. Tom Crow is my guest. We're talking about the infernal internal combustion engine. I've had a love-hate relationship with it. I wouldn't mind something that's a little more reliable. I hear these electrical cars are quite reliable. I hear there's less moving parts. There's less things that can go wrong. Yeah, but you know what? You know, I work in an IT world. It's, it's run by a big ass computer that's networked, and you know. Oh, wait till the Russians start hacking that grid. Well, there are people who are hacking. That's how they're stealing them. Um, Not only that, they're cutting the catalytic converters out from underneath cars now. You hear that story? Yeah. That was pretty good, right? That's Craw going on. Crawling under your Prius, cutting out your mm -hmm. catalytic converter. And then taking it and selling it to some no good nick. Because it's full of palladium. That's where I saw the clash, by the way, at the palladium in Manhattan. 1979. Yeah. Uh, apparently, palladium's also a heavy metal. The clash aren't heavy metal. Don't get confused. And no. people take these catalytic converters that they've stolen, they yoink right. off of your car, down right. to uh, Johnny uh, on the corner, and they sell it. To the well, you don't have yard. to go to Johnny on the corner. You can go to like Rockaway Recycling. You can go to any metal yard, and there's a, there's a set price, and the the least you're gonna get these days is about eighty bucks for a little dumbass hat. For and, big ones that come off of like trucks, holy cow! You know, yeah. I almost I almost ended up in a ditch one day. I was driving. I forget where I was driving, and I saw one laying on the road. I literally was like, whoa. Pulled right over, ran out there, grabbed it, threw it in the truck. And then you got uh, Johnny on the corner to give you a few bucks for it, no questions asked? Huh? Yeah, because they're rusty. It's not mm. like I cut it out of somebody's car. It's all shiny. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a thing. They didn't even stay. It took them forever to figure out on the security camera at this dealership that these guys had, uh, like, electric sawzalls. And they were on creepers on their backs going through like a lot full of pickup trucks and they were just like sliding from car to car taking all these catalytic converters and when they figured out that somebody sawed all the catalytic converters off they went back and looked at the 
tape that they had to like really look at the tape because they'd only see like you know a shadow of a dude scoot from car to car on the creeper on his mm-hmm. back. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I have a sawzall and I have a creeper. Hmm. Make money in mm-hmm. your spare time. Interesting. Uh, Tom Crow's with me. We're talking about the infernal internal combustion engine. I was about to say, I think there should be some kind of psychological counseling program for people who are going to lose the thrill of uh, a engine, gasoline, a fuel-powered engine. And uh, what would you say to these people? If we had a room of eight people who were bemoaning the loss of uh, their engines, how would you counsel them? I don't know that I'm the guy for the job. I probably would be sitting in the chair you know, in the audience. Um, oh, you might be in the group. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the best I could tell him was like, you know, we get on an Island dragway, you know, Friday and Saturday. And, you know, you think they'll still be drags, <laughs> man. I wonder, will they be electric drags? See, I think but what's going to be are, well, there are right. They're... And there's electric formula. They call it formula E, right? They're like not formula right. one that you and I grew up with, but formula E and, uh, yeah. you know, Cousin Bruce, he's a sponsor of that. He's, uh, he, he does the announcing. Formula Yee! He likes to get people down to the Formula Yee! Races. That's one of his big things. Uh, I never went. I was invited to a few of those and never made it out because they were doing them in Queens or some damn thing. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm not going. I can't. I'm not going to Queens. It's pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm going to have to miss this race. But uh, apparently you could actually talk. At a regular level, even if you're trackside, because it's just like, it's like, you know, when you and I were kids and we had an HO slot car track or even the the bigger slot car tracks. Uh, So uh, there's a lot of changes coming down the pike. I am, uh, what I want is an electric van. If someone makes an electric van that will go like 200 miles, 250 miles before it needs a charge, I might actually think about buying one of those. And apparently there's a few companies working on this front. Do you see yourself ever owning if uh, an electric vehicle? I mean, you, you mentioned the possibility of making one yourself, but would you ever go out, buy a GM product, a Volkswagen product, some other off-the-shelf electric car? I'm not, I'm not a new car buyer, so I, you know, I don't know about that. Another thing we have in common. <coughs> see that? Yeah. I have never bought a new car. So, I am so... What was your favorite, like, what were some of your your favorite mills to work on? Well, we were a Mopar family, and Mm. I had a succession uh, when I was a kid. The first car I ever bought was a Volkswagen Beetle that I towed, that Michael Nicolosi's father, Gasper Nicolosi, towed me in from North Lindenhurst to South Lindenhurst by a rope attached to the front bumper. And I made the classic uh, Brady Bunch mistake uh, when we got on our block. I thought I was going to hit the back of his car, and I hit the brakes, and he tore the front bumper off the VW Beetle. And he got out and yelled and screamed at me. I paid him 100 bucks for this car, and it was probably like a 1966 Beetle. And it was mm-hmm. a six-volt Beetle. And I made a mm-hmm. fatal error because my brother, also named mm-hmm. Mario, had no interest in working on a Beetle engine or a six-volt car because I thought he was going to help me fix it up. And it sat in front of our house, and I finally had to unload it. I think I sold it for 100 bucks. And then the, my first actual car was a Mercury Cougar, 67 Mercury Cougar. I bought from Billy mm-hmm. Kammerer. That's the one that had the hood that would fly up if you went over 40 miles an hour. 
and that had like a Cleveland, what is it, a 351? Yeah, Cleveland, yeah. And it was an, a nice fast car, but it didn't have a limited slip differential. And the first thing I did in that car is at a light, I hit the gas, spun the car out and ran into a school bus. And it's a good thing I knew the woman who was driving the school bus. She was a friend of my sister's. She said, what are you doing? Get the hell out of here. And I did. And all the kids were looking at me like, hey, he just ran into our school bus. And uh, mm-hmm. and then it started a succession of Mopars. And I have to say, my favorite power plants, to answer your question, are the ones my brother would help me work on. And he was a fan of, like, the 318. He thought the 318 was a good motor. The 340. I don't think he liked the 383 all that much. The 440 is getting monstrous now. And the 360, I can't even remember. But I know if I had a 318 or a 340, he thought those were good engines. So that's what I think. I think those were good engines. Those were good cars. They got shitty gas mileage, of course, because they all did. But, man, they would go all day. They were fast. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. I had a, the longest-lived car I ever had. I bought from a junkyard for 150 bucks. 64 Plymouth Valiant four-door with a deuce and a quarter and a three on a tree. I had that car. It, when I bought it, the title said like something like 260000 on there. It's astronomical. And it had a bad gear for the first reverse gear on the main shaft in the three-speed. And the guy goes, he goes, see that transfer case laying in the dirt over there? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's the same transfer case you got. He goes, take that, throw it in the trunk. Because it's got a bad gear. It's missing a tooth. So when you're in first to reverse, it goes. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> so I opened it up and swapped it. I had that car for five years. When I was done, it had, you know, something like 500 and I have no idea how many thousand miles. On it. Well, um, when I think of the ones I had, because I, a, a, I had a 73 satellite with, a, you know, emission control issues. Mm-hmm. I had a 71 satellite like the Richard Petty car. That was a nice. great car. I had a uh, 66, uh, what the hell was it? Oh, that was the Caddy. I had a 66 Cadillac. That thing was a pig. Seven and a half miles of the gallon. Um, but then the other Mopars included a, a 1970 Newport. That's the one where there was an electrical fire underneath the dashboard. As I was coming back from Brooklyn one night, I got stranded on the side of the Long Island Expressway. Uh, big, big fan of my 68 Chrysler Newport. Wish I had that car back again. That yeah. was a cool car. It was a fastback, and it was very luxurious. It had electric windows and all that crap. But uh, nice. And I believe a 383 under the hood. That one threw a rod as I was heading out um, on, what was it, Route 3 or Route 46 or some route in New Jersey, and I ended up letting it go, unfortunately. And that one was followed by the 70, 74 Chevy Nova with the 350, which was a good car. Nice. But it was as economical as the Chrysler was luxurious. It had nothing in it. So um, I miss all of these power plants. I got to say, the car I have now got a really nice engine under the hood. It's a it's a nice double overhead cam, German-engineered, bulletproof, essentially, engine that will go to 160 miles an hour if you really have very, very well-speed-rated tires on it. Don't do it otherwise. Right. And I wouldn't do it because it's insane. But it's right. it's a very fast engine. And I will hang on to this car as long as I possibly can, I'm sure. Even when the electric car police come and try to drag it out of the driveway. Mm-hmm. 
You think that's some of the new jobs that'll be created? Maybe a whole new job, Tom Crow, will be the people that go to your house and write you a ticket because they saw you out driving your your gasser. No, I think it's. I definitely think it's going to be a road tax. In Amsterdam, it's a road tax. When I was in Amsterdam a quarter century ago, um, I was. What happened to you? Where'd you go? Wow, just like that. That's like what do they call it? The Irish goodbye. Suddenly, no Tom Crow. Whatever you did, walk back the other way, Tom. If you could hear me. Well, we're almost out of road anyway. We got like seven minutes left in the program. Does he know who I can't hear him? Hey, Tom. Huh. Let's try him back. Hmm. Well, we're going to have to say goodbye to him otherwise. Uh, did they wrap up this impeachment trial? Let's check in before we run out of road here. Let's just take a real quick look at what's going on at impeachment 2 electric boogaloo and uh, see if they've come to any agreements yet on anything. I'm, I'm very doubtful. New details from a dramatic phone call reveal Trump refused to tell Capitol rioters to back down. Are they going to get that into this case? In an expletive-laced phone call with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy while the Capitol was under attack, then-President Donald Trump said the rioters cared more about the election results than McCarthy did. Ooh, this is getting better. Breaking news. Quote, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are, unquote. Hmm. All right, I'm going to tie, I'm going to try Tom back one more time just so we could uh, try to say so long. I don't have much hope of this working, but you got to try. If the Hello? Hey, you there? What do you, what do you, what do you got the mute on? What are you muting yourself? You don't know it? Jeez, Tom, I got like three minutes. I'm going to try you one more time. This is how you know this is live radio. Hello? Uh, I don't know what happened there. I think my connection dropped. Sorry. Yeah. You got to put more uh, gas in the Wi-Fi. You got that gasoline-powered Wi-Fi. That's Stop the problem. It, well, we, uh, we're out of road. You know, I know that's uh, a good metaphor for a show about the infernal internal combustion engine. It really was just an excuse for Tom and I to talk about cars we've owned. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel like uh, there's a lot to this subject, and I, I, and I think you and I, a couple of money-making schemes would be uh, counseling, psychological counseling for the transition to electric motors, electric engines. You don't even call I, them I, motors, right? I think I think first out of the gate would be air fresheners that smell like exhaust. Uh, yeah. I think uh, there's a whole line of products that suggest themselves. Uh, recordings for inside your automobile 
of uh, great engines that you can mm-hmm. drive around and listen to. And they're, as Tom said earlier, they're speed responsive. So as you speed up, it you know, gets louder. It sounds like an engine. That kind of thing. Wow. There's a, There's, that's a market right there. You and I are going to launch a company. You'll see. Mm-hmm. Just, just for these people. And we'll work around the edges. We don't have to work in the actual thing itself. We'll, we'll be like the guys making iPhone cases. We're not making iPhones, but we'll make right. a case. So right. and, and it's a, a corporate leech. Exactly. We'll be, I, I prefer to think of it as, as like a remora fish clamping onto oh. a whale. I guess you could call a remora fish a type of leech, but it seems rude. I don't know. With that, we're out of time. Thank you, Tom Crow, for joining me again on the show. I do appreciate it. Remember, don't become a crow blower when you're using that snowblower. Thank you for that sage advice, sir. Thanks for uh, I appreciate it. And by the way, this show will replay on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. becomes a podcast in just a few minutes. And you can hear it at uh, Amazon Music Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, sometimes even YouTube. And next week, I'm very excited to welcome Mike Watt, the legendary Mike Watt, who does his show Watt from San Pedro for, I don't know, 15 hours a week or something. And, of course, a fantastic bass player, always rated at the top when they do these annual polls of the great Bass players of all time. You know him from Minutemen and Ho- uh, all kinds of bands. There's too many to list. I just don't even have time to list them all. Uh, somehow, we got to talking back and forth, and he's going to be on the show next Friday. So we'll find out what's going on with Mike Watt. In the meanwhile, don't forget, on Sunday at 3 p.m., Hound How with the one and only Hound, followed by Crash in the Party. The uh, doo-wop chop shop of the air with Mark and Miriam bringing you those doo-wops on vinyl. This is Aerial View, and I'll see you again real soon.